The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Dame could have grabbed all the headlines by himself last night, but something fascinating happened. Something, as a Blazer fan, I don't really care to discuss, but for the people, we will. For the people, we will not brush it off and discard it as an anomaly or as an abhorrent situation. The Los Angeles Lakers were in Dallas, and they might have saved their season by staging what would also be something historic in their comeback. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the comeback. The coming back, that's fine. The comeback itself was amazing. But it, and that would have been worth talking about anyway. But it's how they came back. It's not just a barrage of threes, which let's be honest, the Lakers are never going to give you a barrage of threes. But what it was was lock down defense against one of the most difficult guys to defend and stop in the league. Luka Doncic, one of the most unguardable dudes in league history. Plays at his own pace, is absolutely a load on the, on the court. You cannot move him, you cannot stop him, and yet the Lakers did. Kyrie and Luka ran off to a huge first-half lead. Looked like the Lakers were cooked. They then rallied, as we'll get into. Vanderbilt and Austin Reeves locked down Luka while... LeBron looked really good, and AD pretty much looked like he should be the guy that the Lakers run their offense around. The Lakers end up stealing a win that they should not have won, but absolutely needed on the road. Huge W for a team that most people have written off, even after the trade deadline. And as a uh, world-class, lifelong Laker hater, it pains me. It pains me to say that the Lakers are just not the same team as they were before the deadline. They were dead. They were barbecued chicken. They were not just barbecued chicken. They were the a little piece of coal inside of the barbecue. Like, that's how cooked they were. They had been on the grill a long time. And if they had, and even Ro- Windhorse said this on his podcast, if this roster was the roster that they came into the training camp with, 
they'd probably be a five seed, four seed. This is this is a really good roster. Top six team in the West for sure. Probably most of it having to do with Jared Vanderbilt, a player that nobody seemed to feast after at the deadline, which made no fucking sense. Malik Beasley, who can shoot. D'Lo, who had an ankle injury last night and didn't actually even play, but he's been a bucket. And I don't really know why people whiffed on Jared Vanderbilt. It doesn't make any sense to me. He's probably the most important new Laker on this team. Why, you say? How, you say? Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt, as a primary defender on Luka, Luka was 0 for 3 with one assist and five turnovers, all caused by Vanderbilt, who either forced a turnover, intercepted a pass. Seven-foot-one wingspan our guy Jared Vanderbilt has that allows him to stay big, stay long, stay active against a very huge Doncic, like a guy who's just very crafty, moves at his own pace, and gets around pretty much everyone. Messed with the step back multiple times, cut off passing lanes when he wanted to drive. Vanderbilt's five deflections led the Lakers and was almost as many as the entire Mavs team had by themselves. Yeah, he was also, by the way, six for eight from the field shooting, had 17 rebounds. This was a guy that Minnesota had, and they just gave him up. They just gave him up for Rudy Gobert and other things. Like, they gave other things up, too. He was a plus 14 in 27 minutes. Had eight offensive rebounds himself. That's incredible. I am shocked that teams like the Blazers didn't go after him. Like, teams like the Kings, a contender like the Suns, a contender like the Bucks. Like, you gave up five second-round picks for Jay Crowder. You couldn't give one first-round pick and four second rounds for Jared Vanderbilt? I know you want a veteran, but, like, Jared Vanderbilt's pretty good. He's going to be lo- good for a long time. And this led me to a question because you had the Clippers game and you had the Lakers game, and so I was thinking about them both, and I wondered to myself, who got better more? Like, who got more better between the Clippers and the Lakers? I know that's, like, a ridiculous way of saying it, but that's how I think about it. So, like... Who had the better roster upgrade? Because it's, like, pretty close. They got both a lot better. I love the fact that the Clippers got Gordon, Plumlee, Bones, Russell Westbrook. I don't really love the West- Russell Westbrook, but it's a part of their situation. And the Lakers team, though, is completely unrecognizable. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. They got Rui from the Wizards, but then you add in D'Lo, who was... Out against the Mavs, like I said. Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. All of that changed this team. For the first time all year, the Lakers are long. They can switch. They can play defense in the same athletic way that they won the title in the bubble. They can shoot. And it all shows. They can just do more things. Like, Darvin Ham can just be a better coach because, like, he has the pieces for them to do those things he wants them to do. And watching that game made me realize that, like, what Darvin Ham at the All-Star game we said? Remember what he said? He said, hey, we are not doing any of that load management shit anymore. 
No more. Nobody. From 1 through 15, there is no more of that. No more sitting out for the rest of the year. And damn, if we didn't see an example of that come down to the wire and show us exactly that it was true. He said, whoever can play is going to play. And sure enough, in the fourth quarter, LeBron James, LeBron James sprained his fucking ankle so bad he had to take his shoe off, rolled around in abject pain in ways that made my own ankle hurt. And what did he do? He put that shoe right back on and he ran back down the court. He didn't even come out for a second. Yeah. And, like, injuries are a concern for the Lakers. And you've had AD miss time and Braun miss time and Reeves miss time and Schroeder miss time. And Braun, of course, is the centerpiece of that. So when he was down in clear pain, it was like, oh, shit. They are done. Is it the rest? Is Braun done for the season? No, no. He put that shoe back on, tied it tight, and just kept it moving. This is what he said uh, after the game when they asked him about his ankle. To get the foot ankle question out of the way so we can talk about the game, uh, you were down for a little bit there, obviously stayed in and finished the game out. Uh, how does it feel and, and you know, any different from the last couple weeks? Uh, it's been better. Uh, that's for sure, but um, definitely wasn't uh, going to go to the locker room and not finish the game out tonight. Um, just, you know, understood the importance of the game and then the momentum that we had. I felt like we could, you know, steal one after being down. But um, we monitor the next couple of days, see how it feels, and go from there. Woo! He said it's been better. Yeah, no shit. That ankle injury looked, and it was a non-contact, just, just sprained it on its own, looked bad. And earlier this week, he said they'd basically have to carry him off the court to keep him from playing out the rest of this year. So he's going to muscle his way through the playoffs. And that was not hyperbole. He gutted that game out. When the Lakers needed him, he continued to play on what is probably a very painful ankle injury. And so when LeBron is 38, this is a 38-year-old man. This, is, this man is ready to collect his AARP card and his Social Security from the NBPA. And when he's out there risking further ligament damage, Braun is not allowing anybody out there like Malik Beasley to do any shenanigans. Like, there is no more A. Disney. There is no more uh, paper skin and bones of whatever they say, glass, for Anthony Davis. No more street clothes A.D. is stops right now. If he's putting his body on the line, then... AD sure as hell is going to be doing the same and to make sure that everyone else is going to do it as well. And so as much as I hate to say it, because I do, uh, the Lakers are really fun. Yeah, they're really fun to watch. They are. They're like the most fun that they've been since LeBron got there. Um, they're really dangerous. They play really good offense and defense. They, If they make the play-in tournament, I would be worried. If I was the other team, like if you're the Warriors and you play the Lakers, it's basically the exact same thing that happened the year before or the time before when it was uh, 2021. And it's night-night sleep mask for our dubs. Like if you are the team that plays the Lakers in a seven-game series, uh, also have fun with that. Like have fun with that dogfight. You remember New Orleans when they played the Phoenix Suns last year and then things were so bad for the Phoenix Suns in that seven-game series that they all got covid and they just died against the Mavs the next round, that's whoever plays the Lakers in the first round. Maybe the Lakers don't beat you, but they beat you uh, in continuity where you're basically knocked out. Put so much pressure on you that you're going to be so sapped 
the whoever you play next is just going to cruise. Just cruise along. Suns, looking at you. Nuggets, looking at you. Mavs, looking at you. You better fucking pray you don't get the Lakers in the first round or it is going to be night-night sleep mask. And this team is fascinating. They are fun. And why didn't they do this before? Like, why? I don't know how Rob Plinka pulled it off, but I tell you what, he just finally did something that a GM is supposed to do. Next 20-something games are going to be very interesting.